All right, everybody. Welcome back to Derek's Discussions, episode 27 with Zach Letson. You know, we met this summer. He was with the Newport Goals. I was with the Waves. We even did some broadcasts together, you know, for the NECBL. You know, first of all, Zach, how are you doing today? Doing great. Great to great to be on the show. And yeah, you talked about it. It was a great experience this summer. Had, had a lot of fun calling uh calling some games, calling that game with you at Old Mountain. That was a good time. Yeah, it was. I think if I remember correctly, it seemed like the foul balls were kind of the trigger of the entire broadcast. And that kind of got got us going. But, you know, you're in your senior year at Syracuse. You know, what are you looking forward to, you know, after finally graduating? Well, play-by-play is kind of what I'm hoping to pursue as a career. And and so that experience this summer uh, with Newport actually was my third summer working for the team, second doing play-by-play. That was a huge, you know, stepping stone, I guess, if that's the right term, and and helped me get there. And that's why I uh, picked Syracuse as a school, you know, because they're an unbelievable broadcasting school. And it's been, uh, you know, three and a half to now almost four years that I can't really put into words, but um, play by play is the hope, but you know, it's, it's really just about getting all the necessary skills uh, that I can. Cause I mean, we, we all know how competitive this industry is. And so you can't be too close minded or, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta keep your mind open in terms of being flexible in terms of being versatile. Um, you know, so I've had the opportunity to do some sports anchoring, some sports reporting and, that's super fun as well. And I, w- I would love to to pursue that as well. Um, so between that and play by play, but, uh, but I'll tell you what, nothing, nothing gets me going like calling a game. And then what would you say, you know, you talk calling a game, like obviously you're a senior, so not necessarily that you have li- uh, jobs lined up right when you graduate, but is it, do you feel comfortable with the situation that you are right now that, Hey, after college, I won't have to, you know, not have a, job for three months and then I kind of have something where I feel like I have a good chance of either applying getting in or doing something in terms of sports sports broadcasting after you know this 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 coming up semester to be honest that's what this uh these past couple weeks now that we're you know not in classes yet I I mean I guess we're about to get back into uh school and whatnot but uh it's been really just about you know talking to people I know, getting good advice, um, because who you know is almost as, if not more important as what you know. You have to, you know, people use the term networking gets thrown around a lot. And I don't know if it's the right term. Maybe it is, but but it's, you know, I'm just trying to become familiar with, I guess, the process of, you know, what I need ready. You know, I, I had a great conversation with yesterday, someone with you, yesterday with someone about you know building a website and so that's something that I think I might look into as just a great way to show all my work and I put a lot of work into making um some a couple different reels over the past couple weeks so that's where I'm at right now you know there's you know luckily I I have a little bit of time but you don't want to get too comfortable and not like you know because it's a it's a process where it's important to try to I guess stay ahead as much as you can. Yeah, it seems like you're in a pretty good spot considering circumstances. Obviously, a senior, so you're pushing. Website is always something I find interesting. Um, I 
I think it's a lot easier than people give it credit for, but it's a lot more work than people expect. So that's one thing. Um, but you talk, we're talking sports right now, sports casting. What is the significance just of sports in your life? Well, I, man, good question. Um, I guess it's really just, you know, something that since I was a little kid, I have never found myself so passionate about something before. Like there's nothing that, you know, really drew me in really, even as you know, you're a little kid, you don't know, you know, as much about sports as you do, you know, when you're our age now, but you're, you can still have like a level of appreciation, right. For being at a game, for being in a crowd an environment um, and just like getting to go with your friends or getting to go, you know, with your family too. Like, I just, those are the best memories I have as a kid and being around sports, you know, I was never a great athlete. I, I was never, you know, I played a little bit of baseball, a little T-ball as a kid and my career kind of came to a close in middle school. That was about as good as it got. Um, so I guess, you know, sports broadcasting is kind of my way of like staying around the game, <laughs> like somehow, you know, I was, I was never going to make it as an athlete. That's for sure. But I knew I wanted to be around the game because I just love, I, I just love sports and it's not, you know, really one sport specific. I was lucky enough as a kid to go to, you know, plenty of university Miami games. And that's kind of where my passion started, you know, football, baseball, some basketball as well. And, you know, Miami's obviously a great sports town. So I've had the opportunity to, to really grow an appreciation for sports here. Uh, you talk, you know, playing baseball and kind of realizing it. At, Cause I feel like when you're so young and you're just playing sports, people don't realize that you're not going to be playing sports forever. And I came to right. the realization pretty early, just based on myself being a lot shorter than pretty much my entire classmates, even in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, where I realized that, yeah, I'm going to play sports for fun, but that I'm not going to be able to go to the next level when you're talking about a kid in second grade being, I don't even know how short I was, to be honest with you, but I can guarantee you I probably was the shortest one in the entire grade. So I kind of had that realization of, hey, you know, you don't see athletes my height I guess you can say Jose Alduve. I guess you can say Muggsy Bogues. But, like, those are so far and few between. And I feel like sports broadcasting is the next best kind of option, I guess you'd say. But, you know, when talking about sports broadcasting and sports broadcasts in particular, what do you look for? Like, you're just watching a regular game and you're looking for a specific thing, whether it be the score bug, whether it be the announcer, like everybody has a different mindset when watching your game. I'm just trying to pick your brain a little bit. What's your mindset? Yeah, I mean, definitely watching sports a crazy amount as a kid, you kind of pick up on what different broadcasters do. Like, oh, I like that. I like that this broadcaster did this and this. Uh, but like the one thing I guess that I think is uh, probably the most paramount is energy. You got to care as the broadcaster because my mindset when I'm calling a game or I'm hosting something, if you don't sound like you care, why is the audience going to care? Why is someone watching going to care? Why, you know, so you have to, you know, that's kind of, you know, my way of, I guess, showing that, you know, I'm passionate and I love to do this. Obviously, you can't call every moment of every game like it's Super Bowl. Like you got to, you got to be able to dial it back when you need to, but energy to me is so important. And 
you know, as a broadcaster, I'm, I'm sure you can like relate to this too, but like when you get to hit those peak moments of energy, like that's, that's the most fun we have as broadcasters is getting to do that. So. Yeah. I, I love how you use energy. Another word I like is spunk. Um, because you talk about like broadcasters just in general. And I've been a, I've been a guy where I've done broadcast in high school and I've started to realize like when watching yourself back, like I thought I was so energetic. I thought I was passionate because in the moment you're, you're so there and you're so focused on what's going on. But then you look back and was like, wow, I'm actually not as passionate as I once thought was more monotone. And I feel like those are so many adjustments as young broadcasters trying to get into the industry that we can learn from. But I feel like when you're talking about broadcasters in general, there's a typical, you know, stereotype of this guy has a stern voice. This guy is very, you know, right to the point. He's not, you know, outgoing and showing his personality. And I was talking to someone the other day and we were talking back and forth. And he's like, I like that part of just like letting it go, showing your uh, personality, showing your passion. Personally, I like a mixture of both. Um, in terms of, I think at certain key moments, you need to be more of a point guard as the play-by-play guy, but then at certain points, you got you to gotta let it go. It's all about letting it go at certain moments, and we talk about so many different broadcasts, and you see, you know, Benetti. I know you've talked to Benetti um, a lot, you know, Syracuse grad, and he's at Fox, was at ESPN. You know, when looking at this industry as a whole, whether it be sports, sports casting, sports media, like, do you see a specific like need for anything in terms of we're seeing lacrosse you know start to come into this industry and broadcasting is heading there you're seeing networks kind of flying a lot flying around apple tv is getting more involved prime is getting more involved like what do you see the need for sports media you know in the future it's a good question um i would say as someone that grew up getting I, I really didn't grow up at all with lacrosse and now going to Syracuse maybe the the school with the richest lacrosse history in the country that's kind of changed my my mindset a little bit and, and now I do know plenty about lacrosse you and I have done have done college baseball before at the summer level I grew up with a love for college baseball and because of the fact that you know both my parents work at the University of Miami I grew up going to a ton of games the first year I went uh to games I was seven years old they were the number one team in the country. They had guys like Yonder Alonso and, um, you know, list goes on. Yasmati Grandal, who's still in the majors. Um, but getting away from the point. My point is, I would love to see college baseball get more exposure on a national level. I think that's a sport that absolutely deserves it more. Because when you talk about college sports, sports that get the, you know, the coverage and make sense are the revenue sports. You know, college football, college basketball. but. I would love to see college baseball more in the limelight too. Yeah, I think the one thing is though re- on a on a on a from a perspective of revenue, that's kind of where the networks are gearing towards sure. basketball and football and I think that's the point. Um what do you what are your thoughts on Apple TV Prime Video getting more involved in sports broadcasting? Personally, I think it's a great thing because it it makes the it's a good thing and a bad thing. It's a good thing because now you can see all different broadcasters. And as a young broadcaster, not that it's easier to get into prime video or Apple TV, but it's a, it's a better direct path 
to get in there and get more exposure than going ESPN being being at like the you know twenty fifth team for college basketball or whatever it is. I think that is great from a perspective of someone who's trying to get into the industry. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean it's definitely another avenue, which isn't a bad thing. And I think more so than anything else, like it's inevitable. Like it's twenty twenty three now. Like how many things do we stream? So streaming sports and streaming sports live felt like it was going to come around, at least for the, you know, Amazon's obviously huge. So them getting, you know, into football and that like is great. Like I think their broadcast is phenomenal. Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet, like that's a great broadcast team on Thursday nights. And I'm, I'm sad Thursday night football is done for the year, but um, yeah, like to me, it's just like, you kind of had to knew, know that this was coming. Like, it's just, it's the era that we're in. And like you said, like, I think it, I think it does open the door a little bit. You never know what kind of opportunities are going to come when there's more avenues out there. Would you say in terms of sports casting or even just in general in your life, who would you say is the biggest impact on your life? Oh, man, I, that's, it's, it's so hard to pinpoint one. And in fact, I've, probably can't give you a single one I could I could maybe give you a couple in terms of we're just talking about broadcasters that like I looked up to is that I guess what you're going for here well kind of like what made more of a sense of like what made you get to like sports broadcasting like from my perspective like my guy was Derek Jeter like the reason that I got into sports was basically my namesake and that's kind of alluded to the fact of I wanted to get into sports and then sports kind of alluded for me to get into sports media like is there a is there it doesn't necessarily need to be an athlete or a person I mean obviously it has to be a person but an athlete or like a family (laughs) member or whatever but like something that correlated to you to getting I guess to where you are now Sure. Yeah, I, I think it it kind of goes back a little bit to like what I was saying earlier about going to games, going to like U Miami games with my dad or like, you know, just going and seeing seeing sports on almost like a smaller and like more intimate level. Because, you know, sometimes you go to a major league game and you're like you're perched up in like the upper deck or, you know, you're sitting and there's 40,000 people there. You go to a college game and there's like 5,000 people there and you can be just right up in the environment and kind of just get a real appreciation for sports. And I'm just like, damn, like, I love this. Like, I love everything about, you know, the environment, the players getting excited, you know, just it's something that I've always, I guess, like gravitated towards and going to that with, like I said, just like my, my dad most of the time, but then, you know, as I grew older, you know, it was my family. It was my friends. It was it was all of that. So I would say, probably, University of Miami games more than anything else, just because I went to so many of them, and that's kind of where it started. And then before we wrap up part one, you know, what is one thing that you want our viewers to know about you? One thing, huh? Um, yeah. So I mean, I would say, you know you're always going to be able to tell if, if I'm calling a game and you know, when I'm calling games, you're always going to be able to tell how much I love what I'm doing because of the energy. Like I never, I never want to be someone that someone can look at and say like, damn, I wish he was, you know, not as boring or not as monotone. Like I'm always going to bring the energy when I'm on the call, I'm always going to enjoy it. And now that I'm a senior, I'm just trying to live in, 
the moment and just try to, you know, get everything I can out of it. So hopefully that comes across to anyone I meet and and how I sound on the air. Yeah, you mentioned energy throughout this first part. And I find it so funny because every single time, at least I hear your voice or hear you speak, your energy is undeniable, like absolutely undeniable. We're just having a conversation and it seems like this is like the greatest thing to you. It's to me, it's just like how like it's it's incredible. I just, it's just like having an appreciation for sports, you know, like the fact that like, we're trying to do this for a living. Like if we can do this for a living, like what kind of complaints can we have? You know what I mean? Like we get to do this, like we get to call games, like that's sick. Like that's what I've always wanted to do. And I know you got that appreciation too. So I I guess it just comes back to that. All right. Now moving over, you know, part two, my favorite part, just talking sports. We're going to talk Syracuse basketball to start us off. Everybody's saying it seems like Syracuse has been down and up. It seems like the last couple of years, Syracuse has been kind of average. Um, is there anything necessarily going on with the program that's not alluding to them being as successful as they were in the past with Carmelo Anthony? Or is it just a matter of not getting the luck that they you know, first had? Well, Syracuse is just in such a interesting position, like no other team in college troops, because you have a coach that's been around for almost 50 years, right? So how do you adjust? How do you, you know, because the game changes, right? Like this isn't, this ain't, you know, Jim Beheim coaching Pearl Washington and, you know, Melo, like you said, 20 years ago, like it's a new time. And so I think that's been a little tough, just like defensively Syracuse is one of the worst defensive teams in all of division one basketball last year. And they've had a two, three zone. They've tried some man to man and defense has kind of been a a struggling point. That's gotten a little bit better this year. And Syracuse has a ton of new players this season. They have seven new players, six of them are freshmen. So there's been a lot of growing pains. You lose to Bryant, you lose to Colgate. Uh, you get waxed by Illinois and then waxed by Virginia the other night. So there's a lot of growing pains, man. And, um, you know, season's long, so I guess that's a good thing, but yeah, it's definitely, you know, it's, it's a different, it's a different kind of challenge. And Jim Beham's obviously accomplished so much here. There's a lot you gotta be grateful for as a Q's fan for that, but, but it's also hard, you know, cause times change. Yeah. One thing you mentioned the two, three zone. Uh, you know, that's kind of Bayham, excuse me, you know, Bayheim's uh, mojo, I guess you'd say. Um, do you see the 2-3 zone working? Because obviously we're in a different time period than he once he once when he went when he first started and the 2-3 zone was working. It seems like the 2-3 zone isn't working necessarily. You mentioned, you know, being the worst defense. Is that because necessarily the players, is it the is it the system, or is it just kind of a mixture of both as people are starting to figure out how to attack the 2-3 zone? Yeah, it's tough. I think part of it is matchups. Like, I don't think you can go in saying, like, you're running this exact defense every game of the year. Like, you got to be able to make adjustments depending on, okay, is this team we're playing, do they have really athletic wings? Do they got a big guy down low that's going to be dominating, you know, all day long? How are you going to adjust? Syracuse tried to move away from a 2-3 earlier in the year, and it really came back to bite him. They ran a little bit of man. 
They gave up 19 threes in one game to Colgate, who whooped the Orange for a second straight year, which I, I can't believe I'm even saying, but it's so I don't think abandoning the two three. I don't think you can do that. And I don't think they will. I don't think that's ever going to happen under Bayhead. There's always going to be a part of the game where two three is going to be there. How consistent will it be there? I don't know. I, I think that that's going to change. And hopefully with some adjustments, you'll be able to do that. So, yeah. And then before we go on the Syracuse part, we talked earlier, Bayheim. Um, I was, I, I said that I was surprised that he's still there. Um, he's been there for a while now. Is there any like uncertainty? Like, is he going to leave in the next couple years? Is he, I mean, obviously he's not going to be there long-term, but it seems like he could be there. I'd say personally, I think he'll be there for maybe three years max. And then also with that intact, is it going to be McNamara or Autry? I know someone a while ago thought it was going to be Autry being the head coach instead of McNamara. And that absolutely stunned me. You know, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think, um, Derek, your guess is as good as mine in terms of when Jim Beheim is going to be hanging him up because I don't think any of us seem to know, right? Syracuse has had their down years. I mean, when I was like a freshman here, there was, you know, a, a struggling period and you're thinking, oh, this could be it for Beheim, maybe. The year after, you know, so it's like, it's a process of like, who really knows, right? And now I think the big piece for everyone was Buddy Beheim played here for a few years. Then Jimmy Beheim transfers in from Cornell. They're both on the team last year. Neither one is on the team anymore. So you're thinking, would that be maybe the time that he would he would hang him up? The answer is no, because he's back this year and Buddy and Jimmy are not, and they're both gone. So um I can't say like, yeah. you know, is this year going great for Syracuse? No. It's been uh, it's been very inconsistent. Will that does that mean Jim Beheim's gonna step away? I don't think so. I don't think I, I don't think anyone can come up with a realistic prediction for that. Who do I think would probably be in line? Time to replace him, I agree with you. I think it's probably GMAC. It's probably GMAC, but again, like we don't even know when Beheim, how much longer he's going to be around. So I don't even think you can even look to what that next step is until you kind of figure out the first part. Yeah, I think actually Beheim is trying to leave on a good note. So let's say Syracuse somehow makes the tournament this year. I could see him leave. Now, nobody knows be just because this the situation with – um guy from Washington Tompkins when he left he was a succession plan it's it sounds like Syracuse has a succession plan who knows how that what that is and what's going to go um the only question I'd have though if you go with GMAC is would Autry leave and I think when you're comparing the two I think Autry is a better recruiter than GMAC but I think GMAC might be a better coach yeah I it's hard to it's it's hard to say who would best be a player's coach and like like you said like recruiting is a big part of it too so they're both very important into the foundation of of the program so i'm sure syracuse would regardless of who's the next coach wants to find a way to keep them both around all right now we're going to head over to nfl real quick i just want to hear your predictions um for each game i'll i'll give you the rundown obviously it's the scheduling to me is a big surprise. Um, ESPN getting possibly the best viewed game. Uh, that that to me is interesting. 
obviously we've seen coaches get fired in the NFL, which let's be honest, is not a surprise because it happens every year. Um, first game, Seattle, uh, San Francisco, who you got? The Niners are unbelievable right now. I think they have the best roster arguably in the league, so they're going to roll them. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, Debo Samuel's also going to be back for that game. He played last week. I think he'll be back. I think he's still like 85% though. Uh, Jacksonville Chargers. You know, I really like the way Jacksonville's playing right now. They've won five games in a row. This game is at home. Lawrence didn't have a great game on Saturday against Tennessee, but I think he's due for a bounce back because this guy has been on a tear these last, uh, you know, five, six weeks of the year. He's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And I think right now he's a top 10 quarterback in football. So uh, Chargers are a great team. Give me the Jags. I think they, I think they advance. I'm going to go Chargers. I think Herbert will turn it around. However, a uh, thing that could happen, if Jacksonville wins, you could see the Chargers move on and try to get Sean Payton as their coach. That's a hypothetical there. Uh, Miami-Buffalo, I think it's pretty clear. If Tua plays, Miami has a chance. If Tua doesn't play, it's not even going to be close. And I think Buffalo wins. I think you put it – you kind of took the words out of my mouth, right? Like, for this to be a game, Tua has to play. And I know it's very it's a very gray area. You know, you got to make sure that he's good to go. And and this is the third time that he's been dealing with this injury this year. So as a Dolphins fan, of course, I want to see Tua play, but he's got to be ready to go. And I know Tua's dying to get out there. It's just about, you know, taking the necessary precautions, making sure that he's ready. And if he is, we got a ball game. If if not, no, <laughs> it's not going to be. <laughs> I was at the game on Sunday. All right. Skylar Thompson. Wins he the game, he ain't going into Buffalo and winning me that game, all right? He And he's a rookie. That's no diss on him. He's a seventh rounder, you know? Like, so you're going to compete with Josh Allen and the big boys. You need Tua back in there. So we'll see. But I, I agree. I like the Bills in this one. Um, Cincinnati-Baltimore. That, to me, is going to be the best game. Um, It's at Cincinnati. Uh, I'll go Cincinnati. I don't think Jackson is as good as advertised. It, it's... I think it will be a good game too. There's a lot going on with the Ravens right now. I don't know if you've seen like, just like the reports about Harbaugh's like, Oh, I can only coach like who wants to be here. And just like, <laughs> I don't know if that's like a subtle shot at Lamar, like, you know, cause he's got his contract negotiations and he's a free agent at the end of the year. I think it's murky right now for the Ravens. And I think Joe Burrow's him. Like he's just insane. So I like the Bengals. Um, they're one of the best teams in football right now. I think they went out. Yeah, I think Joe Shiesty's a great quarterback. Uh, Tampa Bay, De- uh, Dallas. I'll hear your your thoughts first. Tampa Bay, Dallas. That's interesting that you, you flip it on me there. No, it's um, – I think this is probably the toughest pick out of all the games, in my opinion. <sighs> Dallas has been shaky, and they looked horrible. Horrible against the commander's team playing for nothing with a rookie. <laughs> <laughs> give me Brady. Give me Brady and the Bucks oh. at home. But this is a this is a tough one that I think is almost 50-50. The Bucks have an elite defense. The Bucks are at home, and the Bucks have the greatest quarterback of all time. So I'll take Tampa. I don't like either team. So personally, <laughs> I couldn't give less of a crap who wins this game. I uh, hate Brady. Hate the Cowboys. I'll go. I'll go Cowboys. They got Mar- Micah Parsons. Now this to me, you know this game. 4.30 on Fox on Sunday. 
Giants, Vikings, who you got? I've been going back and forth on this one too. Very tough one. Giants have had a great season. Vikings have been a question mark, like in terms of they won a ton of close games. Um, but they're at home. I think they can, I think they got it done at home. And Dable and the Giants have been a great story, but this is postseason football now. And these two teams played early in the year. It was a really close game. Vikings won the last second field goal. They found a way all year. I don't think they're going on some super long run, but I think they find a way to beat the Giants. That's fair. Um, I think this is this has the ability to be the best game this week. Giants, Vikings. Um, my concern, I'm a Giants fan, first of all. So my concern with the Giants is their defensive backs handling Justin Jefferson. I, I believe that they can stop the run against Dalvin Cook. I don't think Dalvin Cook is as good as he has been in the past. Kirk Cousins, to me, is always like an average to above average quarterback. Not too concerned. I'm concerned about Justin Jefferson. I think this game is going to be 21-17. I don't necessarily know who's going to win. But, you know what? I'm going to ride it. I'm riding it. Giants 21-17. Saquon Barkley is the man, the lit, the myth, the legend. Daniel Jones is the same birthday as me, so I'm riding with Danny Dimes until, you know, we uh, draft Arch Manning, but that's for another day and another (laughs) story. But, you know, I'm excited for the New York Football Giants. I think we have a chance, but I don't think the Giants are going to the Super Bowl as a Giants fan. That's that's my biggest concern, but we'll see that game. Giants-Vikings, definitely going to be interesting. All right. And now we're going to talk about the college football playoff. The first two games were great, uh, both semifinals. The final was absolutely horrendous. It was ten to seven by um, ten to seven Georgia, and I said, okay, they got a chance. TCU's got a chance. I think the entire country, besides the South, was rooting for TCU. Um, but TCU obviously ended up losing um, pretty badly. The game was pretty much over after the after halftime. I mean, right before halftime, uh, just based on the score. I'm disappointed with TCU, how they performed. I'm not surprised. There's a lot of question marks with TCU. Who's going to be the quarterback? Hank Bachmeyer, quarterback from Boise State, was at the game. He could be the quarterback for TCU. That's my speculation. I don't know if that's I know he was at the game. I don't know if he was at, he's actually going to transfer to TCU, but it seems like TCU is going to have an uphill battle after losing this one. Georgia, not a surprise. However, Georgia is losing their quarterback in Stetson Bennett. Carson Beck most likely will be their starter unless if they get someone from the portal. Um, other news in college football, Brennan Armstrong, quarterback from Virginia. Looks like he'll be going to NC State. No one's... It's not fully guaranteed he's going there, but that's kind of the um, thoughts. You know, Zach, what are your thoughts um, just on the college football, you know, final, which was kind of very disappointing? Yeah. Um, you know, the the two semifinal games were both incredible. Like, I'm just watching on New Year's Eve. I'm watching TCU, Michigan. Great game. And, and listen – Take nothing away from TCU deserved to be in the playoff. Then they beat Michigan, who no one probably thought would happen. And they got steamrolled in the natty. Like, it happened. We all watched it. Um, it's not great for the sport when that happens. It's bad when the game is over in the first, at the end of the first quarter. I think we all agree about that. And so that was unfortunate as a college football fan. I, I feel like often we're spoiled to great 
finals and great, you know, semifinals this year. And not every game is going to be like that. And I mean, to me, it was just more about Georgia is just, they're here, man. Like, I don't know if they're going to be the next Alabama, but they're kind of developing a similar track. And Kirby worked under Saban for a while. He was on the staff for the last for the last team that won a back that won back-to-back championships. Kirby Smart was a coordinator and now he's the coach, the first coach to do it in the CFP era. So, to me it was just about Georgia building a potential dynasty and Stetson leaving is going to be tough for them, but I think they're going to be completely fine. I think they'll find a way. They just got so much talent everywhere, man. I mean, they lost five first rounders last year off their defense and they come back this year and win the national championship 60 five to seven and go 15 and oh like i don't think the bulldogs are going anywhere that was the story for me so yeah i think the only thing i would have concerns about with georgia you talk about losing those first rounders but there's a lot more experience on this team than there is next year my only i think the real reason that tcu got like just absolutely obliterated in that game is because I think Duggan was tired, number one. I think you could see it in his eyes right from the start. He was missing passes. It just nothing was going his way. His offensive line wasn't getting the job done. I think this is what happens when you have a team that has to play back-to-back weeks, and you're talking about Michigan. And I think they had a good matchup against Michigan because Michigan's one of those teams in the Big Ten where they don't, they're a good football team, don't get me wrong, but they're not like Georgia having a five-star every single position. They have some development that Michigan does. Georgia, Alabama, some of these teams from the SEC, it's five-star, 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 five-star across the board. And when you're talking about that, it's just a huge difference in talent level. And I think I compare this game a little bit to Notre Dame and Alabama when they played in the national championship. Um, but it's a little different just based on the fact that TCU did beat Michigan to get there. Notre Dame just played their schedule in one games and then, you know, lost to Alabama. But I think this is a talent issue. I don't think it's necessarily that TCU is not coach, like not a good coach team. I think it was a talent issue. Doug and I believe was a three star quarter, three star out of high school. Um, Quentin Johnson was their five star. I think the major loss, though, was their running back not having him kind of made that game 65 to seven. Would they have won with him? No, they wouldn't have won. But I think if you're, if you were to talk about what the score would have been, I think it probably would have been more like 42 to 14. If you had that running back, you can still say that's a blowout, but that's a lot better of a game than what it was. Um, I think, I don't know. I think something needs to be done in college football when we see the Georgias of the world, when we see the Alabamas of the world, the Michigan, the Ohio State, Clemson to a lesser extent every single year. Personally, I want a new team in there. So I like the point of going to 12. However, I don't like 12. I wish it was eight. What are your thoughts on moving to 12? Not next season, because next season it's still going to be four. But the year after that, it's going to be the 12, you know, playoff format. Yeah, I think there's a lot of pros and cons because you're watching last night and you're like, that's supposed to be the number three team in the country. And uh-huh. they're 65 to seven in the national championship. And by the way, like I said, you play the games for a reason. TCU deserved to be there. 
100%. They didn't get there by accident. They deserve all the credit in the world. But now you're going to tell me that eight other teams deserve to be in when the number three team's getting steamrolled. And that's nothing new. Like, let's be honest. Like, we've watched the college football playoff. There's blowouts. There's at least, like, one blowout basically every year, if not multiple. So then you move from that to 12 teams. Um where there's going to be some teams that are even less deserving that are that are getting in. And then what that also does is it makes the regular season way less important. That's what's so great about college football is you every week feels like the playoffs and you have these great rivalries. Now, the other side is, like you said, like sometimes it does feel like the Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State invitational. And then there's like one open spot and then we'll see what happens. Other teams deserve like deserve a chance too if they can earn it, you know. And I know that was the case with UCF a couple of years ago, and Cincinnati got in, and TCU gets in. So it's good overall for the sport, I think, because more programs have are able to incentivize their kids more, like that that are playing for them. Hey, we do have a shot if we win the games on our schedule. We do have a chance to win the whole thing, and it hasn't really felt like that when there's four teams. So I'm a little bit torn because you can see there's good for the sport. And by the way, home college football playoff games, electric. That's going to be amazing. So I think that's good for the sport. But then, you know, you see a 65-7 game with the number three and the number one team, and you're like, ah. So I, I'm, I think there's good and bad. See, personally, I actually don't like home games um, for the college football playoff, and this is why. When these play teams are going to play – it's not really going to be a home game because us college students will be back home for the break. Um, I get it. You get your hometown fans, but I don't like that. So I would rather have it be at a neutral site, but what are your thoughts as 12, like the number 12, I think it should be eight. And I think it should be eight aggressively 12 to me is outlandish. Jumping from four to 12 is a huge leap. I think I, I agree. I think starting with eight would have been a lot more, would have made a lot more sense. I don't really get why, you know, there's the need to expand, to triple the field. I mean, that's what you're doing. You're tripling the amount of teams that get in. And there's eight teams that get in. I mean, there's going to be a couple where they're like, oh, they didn't have their best year and they're in the playoff. 12? There's going to be even more of that. So, yeah, I think eight would have been better to start to say for sure you mentioned eight are you saying eight for the short term and then possibly moving to 12 or do you think eight for the long term because i know people people differ on that personally i think eight staying because eight's the perfect fit but i can understand 12 down in the long run i just don't like that what are your thoughts there well i think it's like the same thing that applies to like what we have right now right like when we move from the bcs to four teams no one knew if it was going to be four teams forever or Maybe this is four. Maybe this is an avenue for more if if it goes well. I kind of feel like that's what it would be, right? Like if you went to eight, you'd be like, does this work? If it does, don't change it. But maybe, you know, maybe you will want more down the road and maybe you will want 12. So I think that door is always going to be open. I don't think there's ever going to be. It's this way and it's going to be this way forever. Like that's just not going to happen. You know what I mean? Like there's going to always be people that want to pivot. Times are going to change. We just went from two teams to four teams to now 12 teams. So times are always going to change. Yeah, I think eight should have been the right option. And I think eight should have been the long term, but I can understand 12. If you wanted to go to 12, 
my opinion is go to 12 now. Don't go to 8 and then 12. That's just stupid. Just go to 12 now. Personally, I think 8 is is the right option. I think that's the way to go. But before we go, is there a team, you know, going to be next year that you're looking out for? I know there's a bunch of teams that I'm looking out for next year. You're talking about North Carolina with Drake May. I get it. You lose Josh Downs. You lose some of those receivers. Some of the running backs are gone. You look at a team like South Carolina, the hotness of what they did at the end of last year to me is exceptional. And then you talk about guys who entered the portal. Who knows about NC State if if Armstrong goes there. That's an interesting team. Auburn is interesting. But I look further down the road as teams that were in the top 25, two teams that I find very interesting besides the rest is I'm really looking at LSU because they had a tremendous first season under Brian Kelly. Personally, I'm not a huge fan of Brian Kelly because my dad went to Notre Dame and I'm not, I don't like that situation. I think he's a little bit too um, assertive and not more passive in the sense that he demand he's like the owner CEO of the team instead of, you know, trying to get these, you know, players motivated and, you know, be more friendly with them. I like Marcus, Marcus Freeman. So the other team would have been nerd because you get Sam Hartman to the mix. Personally, I don't think Sam Hartman is as good as people think he is in the college football world and nerd world, but I think he's a good quarterback. I think he'll solidify that position. I just don't think he's, the guy to be, you know, okay, we won, we lost four games next year. We're going to be a national championship contender. That's, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. I think uh, I will say I'm not a Notre Dame guy at all, but I think he's definitely a step up from Jupine. He's definitely better than, oh, what yeah. They so there's that. Um, North Carolina is going to be a lot of fun because Drake May is going to be in the Heisman talk all year. I agree with you there. Georgia has to be considered the best team. I don't care that they're that Bennett's gone. You can't look me in the eye after a 58 point win and tell me anything different. So they're definitely the, you know, the top dog, no pun intended. Um, I hate saying this because I'm a Miami fan and uh, this is our biggest rival, but Florida state, I think, mm. I think people really got to look out for, for the Knowles next year, because I'll tell you what, Mike, Norvell, they go five and seven last year. This year, what they're able to do, and they are bringing back, they win 10 games. They double their win total, 10 win season, and they're bringing back everybody. Like they have one of the best running games in the sport, in, in the sport across the board. Trey Benson, their top running back, he's going to be back. Jordan Travis, their quarterback, he's going to be back. News to me that uh, this just came out like the other day, which I was not expecting this. Their best overall player, who's a defensive end, Jared Verse. I thought he was definitely going to the draft. He's coming back too. It's crazy. So uh, they're getting everybody back. Uh, um, I think they're probably a top ten team next year, and they finished eleventh in the AP poll. Um, man, uh, they're 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 for real. Um, and yeah, like you said, LSU. By the way, they play week one in Orlando. They play again. In Orlando, which is going to be electric. Mm, that's going to be a good that game. game in in New Orleans was one of the best games of the season. That new that LSU Florida State game week one, when FSU won the blocked kick, was one of the best games I watched all year. And FSU man, they're uh, this ain't the Willie Taggart FSU anymore. They're uh, they've stepped up to the plate. There's no denying that. So, 
I hot take. I think Florida State with the direction of Mike Norvell is in a better spot than what they were with Jimbo Fisher. But I'm not. But here again, I'm not a fan of Jordan Travis. I don't. I think he's a college quarterback. I don't think he's elite by any stretch of the imaginations. Obviously, he's going to be in the Heisman race, but I don't think he's that that special. But that's that's kind of my thoughts on Florida State. I think the ACC hot take. I think the ACC is going down the tubes. I, I'm not even sure if they're the third best conference anymore. They could be the fourth best conference in college football. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a changing of the guard. I mean, you could say that like Clemson is not Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, level Clemson anymore. They've clearly taken a step back. That allows teams like FSU to take a step forward because it's wide open right now. So, yeah, I mean, there's not – it ain't like, you know, the Big Ten and the SEC where there is a bunch of teams that you know are going to contend. We don't know if any teams are going to contend for the college football playoff in the ACC next year right now. There could be zero again. This year there were zero. So it's uh, it's wide open. Yeah, it's um, it, it, there's a lot of question marks for the ACC going forward. I don't, I don't know how it's going to look next year. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see the entire college football landscape for next year and then also the future years with 12 teams coming out. That's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Obviously, just for our viewers, the 12 format, the fir- the top four teams have to win their college football um, conference. They have to win their conference, which means you have to have a good regular season. Those four teams get a bye. However, it's not necessarily Big Ten, ACC, you know, Big 12 and Pac-12. It's not going to be necessarily those conference. It's the best-seeded winner of the conference championship game. So that's going to be interesting to see how that seeded, how that seed is going to be lined up, and then the rest, 5 through 12. Most likely in these scenarios, 12 will be the non-Power 5 team. So this year it would have been Tulane. In other years past, it would have been Cincinnati. Cincinnati moved to the Big 12. And before we go... Is there a specific hire in this offseason in college football that you like or dislike that really, you know, stood stood out to you? Sorry, just say the beginning part of the question again. Is there something that stood out to you about the college football coaches, the coach carousel this year? I mean, I think first it has to be Sonny Dykes with TCU because they No, I'm saying this offseason. This offseason. Oh, well, how it should be. Okay. Um, because I think Sonny Dyke should have won uh one coach of the year, and I think it was clear that he was the best hire. Right. right. Um, Pickle. I mean, it's tough as a as a Syracuse fan, you know, losing, you know, both offensive and defensive coordinator. That's kind of tough. And and you mentioned Brendan Armstrong going to NC State. Part of the reason he's doing that is because his old offensive coordinator from Virginia, Robert and I, just left Syracuse for NC state. So they're teaming up again. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting, man. I, um, I think what's going to stick out to everyone is Dion with Colorado. Okay. Um, because they were one and 11 last year and he's going to turn that program around. I, I don't think, you know, what he did with Jackson state, he turns that program around completely. Now he goes to Colorado. They're dying for a guy like him to bring his kind of energy He's Dion's one of one. Like he's, you know, when I say that, I don't mean like he's the best coach in college <laughs> football. I mean, 
obviously not, but I'm saying he brings a different kind of energy to that program and he brings an excitement. Everyone knows who Deion Sanders is. He, you know, his excitement fills up a room to a bunch of players. And, um, you know, I think you need that. I think you need that when you have a new era of college football with NIL. Um, I think, you know, I'm not, I don't know how good Colorado will be, but who knows? Maybe they can get back to a bowl and win six or seven games. They were a one win team last year. So to get a guy like Dion, I think is going to do a lot. Yeah, I think they'll definitely win six or seven games this season. I think they'll definitely be bowl eligible. Luke Fickle going to Wisconsin to me was a surprise because Cincinnati was going to the Big 12. Louisville firing their coach who goes to Cincinnati in the Big 12, Scott Satterfield. That's kind of interesting to see him get fired but go to Cincinnati. And then also you see uh, Purdue getting a huge head coach, the defensive coordinator of Illinois. And there was other coaches around there too. Jeff Brom uh, went to Louisville. But I think I think this coaching carousel, nothing really stood out to me. I think it was mostly moderate hires. The only one that would have, I guess you would say, would have been uh, Luke Fickle going to Wisconsin, which was kind of a surprise to me, but I kind of understand at the same point. You know, Zach, it's been a pleasure. Episode 27 of Derek's Discussions. Do you have any last words for our listeners out there? Thanks for having me. This was a fun time. Uh, good to uh, reconnect and to, and to finally be on the show. So, uh, yeah, I'm, nothing like talking sports. Always a good time.